Emiso Sis? Not forever. MJ Rodriguez has busted through a tough barrier as the first transgender performer nominated for an Emmy in a lead acting category. Having finished a successful run as Blanca on the hit FX show Pose, will there be more great mainstream opportunities for trans performers in the future? I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. CIA director William J. Burns meets with the top Taliban leader. Rolling Stones drummer Charlie Watts dies at age 80. And a 25-foot rubber duck appeared in a harbor in Maine and then vanished again. Okay, I know it sounds cute, but it's actually terrifying. Imagine the size of the giant who's taking baths out there. The series Pose from co-creator and executive producer Ryan Murphy takes us into New York's LGBTQ ballroom scene amidst the AIDS crisis of 1980s and early 90s. The show ended with its third season, and MJ Rodriguez brought it all together as Blanca, the mother of the House of Evangelista. Whether or not she wins an Emmy next month, she's already made history. Today's episode continues our collaboration with our cousin podcast, The Envelope. In it, host Ivan Villarreal talks to MJ Rodriguez about her background as a musical theater performer and Berkeley-educated songwriter. The night she got the call that the part of Blanca was hers, the tone of celebration Pose sets for trans stories, and how she feels the doors are opening up for the next trans performers in line. Plus, we got a clip of her new single. MJ Rodriguez, welcome to The Times. Thank you. You are an Emmy nominee, and you've had some time now to process it. What has surprised you about being on this journey? You know, what I think most surprised me about being on this journey and being nominated as an, it's kind of crazy to hear myself say it, but an outstanding leading actress in a drama series. I think the most surprising thing was being received as an actress, being taken seriously within my craft, and actually being accepted in the awareness of myself as a Afro-Latina trans woman. It's kind of astounding to me because for so long, I had my own insecurities, but I was also subjected to a lot of discrimination, obviously, as a trans woman, about, I would say, even two years and even farther back. So to see the change happen over time and quicker than I expected, I've just been so flabbergasted by it. And I'm really proud of myself, but I'm also proud of the human race and them actually getting it together and knowing that we as trans women are humans too, and that we walk this earth just like how they do, and that we love like how they do. We have hearts how they do. We bleed like any other human does. They're starting to see it and understand it, and it's going to show by receiving a nomination like this. So it feels good. Just to let our audience know, you've made history as the first transgender performer to receive an Emmy nomination for Best Actress in a Drama Series for your performance as Blanca. Wow. What do you want the trans community to take away from this moment? And what would you like the cis community to take away from this moment? What I would specifically like the trans community to take away from this moment is that it's possible it's even more possible now to really chase your dream as an artist, whether you're a singer, an actress, a dancer, 
Now the lane is completely open. The doors bust down completely and it's time for you to take your space. It's time to take the space like how you deserve because it's open. And the only way that it's going to happen is if you actually take it and you go about it with dignity and grace and humility, but you go in with confidence knowing what you want. And what I can say to the cis community, specifically, you know, the female cis community, is that, you know, we're here to uplift each other Though we're different types of women, we still identify in the same bracket, which is women, whether we be trans or cis, and we're here for each other. And now is the time to come together and share space together like how we should have been for a long time. And, you know, I don't think that's going to be hard for any of the cis women out there because naturally, women, we're nurturing, we're caring, we make it happen. So I have no doubt in my mind that women across the world, trans and cis alike, will open up and become a little bit more collective and knowing that we're here to change the dynamic. I mean, women run the world. We run the world. <laughs> and to cis men out there, I would say start opening up and being our allies and understanding that there's no agenda for trans women to infiltrate your space, to make you feel uncomfortable, to the list can go on. This is not a time for your feelings and your masculinity, your fragile masculinity, and also some toxic masculinity to be forced upon us so that it can make us feel lesser than or belittle us. Instead, use your strength and your masculinity to actually uplift us and be comfortable in yourself so that it's not so toxic. So I would say that to all cis people around the world. But yeah, we're here and I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. And I think a lot of people more than I thought are here for us. Well, I want to rewind a bit to your early years pursuing acting. And I know Rent was such a formative production for you. I mean, you made your off-Broadway debut playing Angel in the 2011 revival. Talk to me about what Rent meant to you and how you look back on that chapter of your life. Rent was the best love story soliloquy I could have ever received when I was 11 years old until I was 14 and then until I was 19. That show not only gave me a true understanding, a full explanation of what it was like dealing with HIV and AIDS on top of being homeless, but it also showed me what a chosen family looks like when every single last one of them have been ostracized. These were all people who were displaced because of the lives that they lived. And not all of them were LGBTQAI. It was a mixed group of misfits. That's what Rent taught me. And it meant so much to me because of that, because I was a misfit and I'm still a misfit. I'm a sickening misfit. You know, I'll claim that now. And when you are a part of that crowd of people who are different, you not only get a glimpse of how the world is outside and how they see you, but you start to see how you fit in the world too. And if you're going to choose to keep being a misfit and defy gravity, <laughs> or you try to fit in. For me, Rent taught me not to fit in. Instead, to stand out, be even louder. And it doesn't have to even be with your words. It could be with your presence. It could be with you walking down the street and holding your head up high, no matter if you're getting derogatory slurs thrown at you from people on the street, because I had that all my life. I had so many people calling me the F-bomb and calling me ugly and calling me all of these things. They didn't even know me from a can of paint. But for me, I was just like, you know, it hurts a little bit, 
but I'm gonna keep my head held high and let it ricochet off so it doesn't penetrate my skin because I have so much more work to do. That's what Rent did for me. We'll be back after this break. Let's talk about Pose. Yeah. What do you remember about the audition? Did the part of Blanca feel like it was yours? Oh, well, yeah. The moment I saw Blanca, I saw her breakdown of nurturing, girl that's rough around the edges, loving, caring. I was like, I was like oh, that's me. That's me 100% every single day. And I have to go and reach for this part. So I think about a day later or two, I contacted Fox Networks myself. I sent a headshot myself and I said, listen, I know this may be unprofessional, but please consider me for this role. I've been really, really striving to have a role like this. And I hope that you guys are just open to seeing me. And they responded back, which I was just like, what? This is crazy because, you know, sometimes companies don't respond back. They usually don't. They usually don't. So when I heard back, I was like, "Okay, this is a, a great opportunity. And they see how much I want this. A couple of weeks, maybe even a week later, I had my first filming my first taping and it went well and I felt comfortable. I felt great leaving that room. Another week later, I got a second call back or a testing, a second testing. And that very night, Ryan Murphy called me. Just to help our listeners, Ryan Murphy is the series co-creator and executive producer. And I tell this story all the time. He was asking me, he's like, what are you doing, MJ? And I said, I'm listening to Rihanna's Wild Thoughts right now on my computer. DJ Khaled, (laughs) he was like, okay. Well, I just want to let you know. (laughs) He said, I just, I just. As one does. As one does. (laughs) He was like, I just want to let you know that you have the part. Don't worry about it. You have it, it's yours. And I looked at the phone, like how I'm holding this phone in my hand right now. And I was like, did Ryan Murphy just call me and tell me I had, I ran downstairs, girl, I screamed my lungs off. I screamed to my mom, my second dad, and I just was in complete joy. And the rest was history. It was just a rolling avalanche down from there. (laughs) Does that Rihanna song now always take you back to that moment? It always takes me back to that moment. I remember I had my computer set up. I didn't have, you know, a a, a nice computer at that time. It was a little jank. And, um, (laughs) And I remember like sitting at my little desk and being like, oh my God. So yeah, it's always going to be um, in my head like that. And I always say that Ryan Murphy is literally the Clive Davis to my Whitney Houston. Literally. <laughs> was there chatter within the trans community when it was even announced that this show was happening? And was there skepticism about what it would be? Yeah, there was a lot of chatter in the trans community. I remember I even heard from some of my sisters before the auditions had even been listed One of my good friends, she was out with Ryan, I guess, at some point, or she saw him at, I think, an event, and she said that she was having conversations with him. And I was like, oh, that's great, girl. That's everything. I wish I could have a conversation with Ryan Murphy. And she was like, well, you might have one, girl, because there's a show that's going to be coming out pretty soon, and you need to go in for it. Her name is Cece Suazo. And then the very next day, I heard from my girl, Puya, who's also a part of the trans community. She was like, girl, there's this show that's coming out. You need to really go in for it. Two days later... 
I saw the breakdowns. And I was like, my sisters really did me justice by letting me know about this because I probably wouldn't have never known about it. I could probably would have been going to my auditions every single day, trying to, you know, book a job or trying to get something that was going to make me, you know, help me survive. And I'm thankful for them. So there definitely was chatter. I don't think there was this dismay. I don't think there was any worry. I think the women that I had known and that had told me about this, they had gotten great information from the source itself, knowing that there were going to be good people behind this aside from the amazing Ryan Murphy, that we're going to actually tell the stories right. I mean, there's, you know, skepticism in everything when you don't know what's going to be happening, but it was not a lot. Was there anything about the role or knowing that you were going to have this sort of platform that scared you? You know what scared me the most about finding out that I would have gotten this role? It wasn't the platform that I got because I've always wanted it ever since I was 11 years old. I've always wanted to be placed in this position to be a voice and to be a beacon. Like, I just wanted to be a voice. Like, and forgive me for being spiritual, but you know, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad, all of them, they was divine. And I'm like, I'm trying to be like y'all, okay? Y'all back in the day, y'all really turned it. And not to mention, y'all were the only men who was turning it. It needs to be some women out here turning it, okay? So I wanted to be somewhat of a version of them because, you know, they were all holy and graceful and all that good stuff. I wanted to be a beacon of light and love. Like, that's how I was raised. But um, it definitely scared me because when you place yourself in a position to be on a platform like this, there's always going to be people that do not see it for you, that do not want you to succeed, and that do not want you to be a voice or even a beacon of hope for even cisgender young individuals out there because there are young cisgender individuals who look to me for hope and inspiration now. And a lot of people didn't want that. And that was my worry. I was scared because at the time when all of this was happening with auditions, there were still dreadful things that were happening to trans individuals across the globe, murders and just a lot of discrimination that was happening against us. And I was worried that when this show came out, we were going to get the full onslaught of that. We were going to be told that this show does not need to be on television screens. Look at what you're doing, quote unquote, to our children, quote unquote. And I always say this, I was fooled completely because it was a full 360, the love that I got from the people it wowed me. And I don't know if it's because I love, so they saw that if I love, then they can love too. I don't know, maybe. Or Blanca and Angel and through all the characters. But I was surprisingly fooled. And I'm so thankful I was fooled because if it did go the other way, I don't know how I would have mentally dealt with that. Well, to that point, I think there is a lot of worry about losing a show like Pose. I mean, it featured the largest cast of trans actors in TV history, and five of the series regulars were trans women of color. Do you feel optimistic that the gains will not be lost? I do feel optimistic that the gains will not be lost simply because I'm testimony to it. You know, work has definitely been happening for me more, which means there's definitely going to be more work happening for the youth behind me and the people that are striving right behind me. I'm here. One of my arms is up and the other arm is right behind me, making sure that someone can grab me. That's how it is for me. So the next thing that I get, it's going to be easier for the next person trailing right behind me. And I do see it changing. I finally, you know, feel comfortable in my career. I finally feel seen as an actress. I have my 
Next Opportunity, which is another television show. And I have a music video out and I'm, I'm doing all the things that I never thought that I would get. I'm dreaming big and it's happening and it's going to happen for more people. Angelica Ross and India Moore and Dominique Jackson and Haley Sahar and, oh, Alexandra Gray and Trace Lissette, Isis King, the list goes on. The doors are wide open and I don't think it's going to stop. So, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the final season. I mean, we saw Blanca pursue her nursing ambitions. We saw her begin a relationship with Christopher, the successful doctor who's played by Jeremy Pope. And that relationship, I mean, it's a loving relationship between a man and a trans woman, which is a rare representation and an important one on television. The show is often praised for the work it's done to show the humanity of the trans community for those outside of it. But that storyline also really seemed to serve as a lifeline for trans people, like showing that, you know, they can be loved and what kind of love they're worthy for. What did it mean to you to be able to put that out to the world? It meant so much to me. It meant the world to me. Before third season had happened, I had met my boyfriend before we were even filming third season. And we were having back and forth conversation through FaceTime. And we met through Instagram, which I was like, I'm the girl who wants to meet the cousin of the brother of the sister of the mother of the auntie. Didn't happen that way. (laughs) I met my boyfriend through Instagram. And now I'm realizing that that's way normal now, which I'm living for. But yeah, I met my boyfriend before all of this. And I remember even having conversations with Janet Mock and even Stephen Canals, I was like, you know, the people need to see that there is love out here. They don't get to see it because it's not put on a television screen or a huge movie film theater screen. You know, the more people see it on the screens, they'll actually realize how real it is. And third season came and I was like, what a wonderful way. I already have my understanding of how to move through a relationship because I had been with my boyfriend for about, I would say, eight months at that time. So it was easy for me to move into this role with Jeremy Pope, not to mention I knew him since I was like 21, 23. We all knew each other, child. So it was easy. It was comfortable. And I thought it was so important for the youth to see something like that because it is possible and it does happen all the time. It's just that, you know, we've been shunned so long and we've been called other than normal, demonized, that a lot of people just thought it wasn't palatable. They thought it wasn't palatable for them, but now it is. And now people see love is love. And when you love someone, you'll do anything and you will be with them until the end of time. It doesn't matter if they are a man. It does not matter if they are a trans woman, trans man, or a cis woman. Love is love. You know, it really doesn't matter. And I'll say this too. I'm a huge advocate for the LGBTQI community. I love the hetero community, but I'm someone who tries my best not to like staple myself to a label because so many of us as humans are subject to change completely. We change every single year. We change so much. And to just hold ourselves to one thing, it would be defeating the purpose of what it's like to be and actually be together and understand people. So yeah, I think Pose has done that at a tremendous level. It's shown what love looks like, what family looks like, and how you have to fight, and how love fights for you too when it's true. Even the, I mean, I know this doesn't involve Blanca directly, but even the wedding episode from this season was just, 
powerful. Yeah. Like I was I've been listening to <laughs> I swear like on repeat uh, since that episode. <laughs> it's just like such a beautiful moment. Not listening to I swear. That's my song. <laughs> so good. It is. It's so good. You got to do a cover of that. And I swear. Sorry. <laughs> Add that in the podcast, baby. <laughs> Well, Blanca's whole journey throughout the series is really centered around like leaving a lasting legacy. That's very important to her. With the position that you're in and the visibility that you have, is it something that you think about for yourself too? I always think about the lasting legacy that Michaela J wants to leave on the world. And I will say this, Blanca, and I'm going to say this until I probably die, being that this was the first show that I actually got to lead in. I got to be number one on. Girl, I ain't never been number one on a show. I gagged. When Ryan Murphy made me number one, I was like, wait, oh my God, this is a lot. Okay, pressure's on. Show up. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. You have so much responsibility in a show like this when you're leading it. You also don't realize how it has to inflict upon you and how it it, it changes you. And I realized in third season, first and second season, I didn't want to see myself. I was too scared to actually notice myself. And I was too scared to even look at myself to even dig deeper into really understanding Blanca. Third season happened for me. And her strength, her perseverance, her striving to be the best so that her kids can be the best, that was my goal when it came to my legacy. I wanted to be the best for the people who are watching around me. I needed to be the example. I'm not a mother like Blanca. And I had my mother and my father in my life. And I had, you know, my second dad in my life and the LGBT community in my life. Whereas Blanca didn't have any of that. And yet, and still, the woman prevailed. And she got the fruits of her labor. And the fruits of her labor were her kids succeeding. And I want my legacy to be like that for the many fans and supporters and friends and family that are around me when it comes to my acting career and when it comes to my music career. I want to make sure I leave a stamp on their hearts so that they know MJ was here on this earth. If I'm here today or tomorrow or long down the line, I want them to always remember that MJ was here for love and she stood for love and she did it through what she loved which was her craft. And that's how she changed the world. That's what I want my legacy to be. And I'm fighting for it every single day. Every single day. You touched on this earlier. You know, you're beginning another career venture as a recording artist. You dropped your first single, Something to Say, which you performed at the show's finale party. And we got the music video coming out. You went to Berklee College of Music where you were a songwriter. And I know you've talked about having insecurities about entering this space as a trans woman. Yeah. What kept you going and how does it feel to take up space as Michaela J? You know, my fear is what kept me going. I'm starting to realize that now. The way you asked that, it was my fear that was keeping me going. I was like, I'm afraid of this. Well, girl, if you're afraid of it, you got to dive right in. You got to jump off the cliff. There's got to be some water down there that you can dive into. It's not just solid ground, you know? And I did it. And I I feel so good now that I did it because now I'm realizing 
the space that I create around my music is the space that I create for myself and how everyone else perceives it. And I mean, like I said, I'm about love. So I, I, I know people love love. I know people love to be loved. I know they love to be happy. I know they love to be joyful. And that's all my artistry is about. That's all my music is about. And I just ran off of that. I said, well, people are going to have to love being uplifted. They're going to have to love dancing. I know people love dancing. When they're sad, they're going to listen to a song that lifts their spirit up. And if I have something to do with that, then I did my job. And that's what made it so easy for me to just stomp right through that door. And I'm not through the door just yet. You know, I just made my stamp into the music industry. I just released my first music video. But my foot is definitely in that crack. And I'll say this with confidence. I'm going to storm the music industry because it's been long overdue. I I have wanted to be an artist, a music artist, ever since I was a child. Acting just so happened to be the fairy godmother that said, here, I'm coming to show you something else. But music had been my dream. Music was the mother to me. And music is a powerful tool. And I knew that I had a piece of the tool to influence people around the world. So now I'm just going to live through it and I'm going to create more. And it may take a long time or it may not people are going to receive it and they are going to feel good again. I also want to mention that you'll be starring alongside Maya Rudolph in Apple TV's upcoming comedy series. And I believe the working title of it is called Loot. Is that right? It's called Loot. Yep. Have you started production? And what can you tell me about any interactions you've had with Maya, because I can't wait for this union on screen. Be either, child. It's going to be silly. I found out about Loot through my agency, and I just was like, yeah, this is amazing. And I'm so thankful to the agent at that time who sent that to me. Amazing. It was a great opportunity. And just finding out that it was with Maya Rudolph, I had been watching her ever since I was a kid on SNL, and she is foolishly funny. And I just appreciate it because I'm a fool, too. And just to know that I was going to be playing like the opposite of her, she's playing this character named Molly who is like aloof, but rich as all hell. And, you know, she's married to this rich billionaire. Meanwhile, I'm the girl who is playing Sophia, who is like noble, dry humor, don't take nothing, you know, and they both meet each other because Molly owns the business that Sophia works for. So that's how they come into understanding with each other. And that's how they like have this relationship and I just can't wait until I see the dichotomy of that relationship play out because it's going to be stupid. It's going to be so stupid. It's going to be so silly. Just please get ready. You're going to have to not break. It's going to be hard. It is because I know she's going to have me cracking up. And we've had actually had some great interactions like me and her have texted a couple of times. She's made me feel so comfortable. Well, before I let you go, we're getting closer to the Emmy ceremony and it can be hard to take things in when it's such a whirlwind. What do you want to remember from this moment? I think the most important thing that I want to remember from this moment is that I told the people simply through my actions and my hard work that this is what it looks like when you can succeed and you're in a marginalized group of individuals. This is what it looks like when the underdog is finally getting just due. This is what it looks like when love wins. Love is winning and it's showing. It's showing through the academy. It's showing through so many other lanes as well. People are now, and I'm now seeing also, that they believe in me. They believe in me and they see that I'm capable. For so long, I didn't feel that I was capable because I was getting so many no's. 
And it was because of my transness, you know? And now I'm not getting a lot of no's anymore and I'm happy about it. And I'm pleased with the people who have been coming in my life and who's just been shedding love on me and, you know, also open to understanding and willing to be educated because I'm always willing to be educated too. They see that I like sharing, you know, it's not just about me. Well, congratulations and best of luck. On you are Emmy's very welcome. Night. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Same here, beautiful. Thanks, MJ. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, a Times photographer in Afghanistan tells us what's going on there and about his own dust-up with the Taliban. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Please, please, please don't make us the Puchia Podcasts. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, and Marina Peña. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb. Our intern is Ashley Brown. And our theme music is by Andrew Ibe. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news on this madre. Gracias.